Welcome to episode 30 of Thrive, Mental Health and the Art of Living Free. I'm your host, Melissa Clark, a professional counselor in the Dallas area with a passion for helping you overcome challenges, process painful emotions, and understand your God-given identity. I am so glad you are here. This podcast is a series format. This means each month you hear about different mental health topics from a Christian perspective. Thank you so much for being here. I believe listening to this podcast will leave you feeling excited, educated, and empowered. We are continuing the conversation on shame. Through this series, you're hearing about important stories about how shame keeps us from being our true self. I hope these conversations inspire you to see your true self, your God-designed self, And I also hope that you bravely challenge shame patterns and learn tangible ways to release shame. Because listen, the reality is, is that we feel shame, I would venture to say, pretty much every day of our lives. And I know that's a really bold statement, but think about maybe with your spouse, with your child, with God, at work, anytime you feel like you are less than, anytime that you feel like you are not good enough as a person, that's shame. And shame tells us that we're not good enough. There's something wrong with us. And the reason why that's not a good thing, the reason why shame is never, ever helpful is because it keeps us disconnected from God. It makes us want to duck and cover. Last week, we talked with Bob Hamp, and we discussed the impact of shame on the brain. If you did not listen to this episode, I know I say this every week, but you definitely need to go back and listen. I think learning about the brain is so incredibly helpful and it just sheds such important light. It helps us to have less shame um, by understanding our brain. So definitely go back and give that a listen. Bob talks to us about how shame doesn't just impact our emotions. Shame literally changes the chemistry in our body and begins to rewire our brains. The good news is that your brain is able to be rewired. Doesn't matter how old you are, you can teach an old dog new tricks. Um, So your brain is able to be rewired no matter what your age. So definitely go back and give that a listen. Today we are in for a real treat. We are talking with Allie Worthington. Allie is an author, a speaker, a business coach, a podcaster, and honestly, she's so much more than that to me. She's a personal coach that I've been seeing for years, and she's really helped me actually to identify shame patterns that I have that have held me back as a writer, as a speaker, as a podcaster, and so it was such a treat to talk with her, and so without further ado, here's my conversation with Allie. I want to welcome to the show my friend, my coach, my mentor, Allie Worthington. She has a new book out, Standing Strong, and today we're going to talk about the importance of friendships and how connection can keep us from experiencing shame. I'm super excited for the show. Welcome, Allie. Hey, I'm so thrilled to be here, and thank you for that lovely intro. Yeah, you bet. I'm, I'm excited. I, I, I could hardly sleep last night. I was thinking, oh, I get to interview Allie. I'm super excited. <laughs> no, it's going to be great. Cool. Well, with starting off with a heavy subject like shame, I'm kind of mm-hmm. curious, just a broad overview, like how would you define shame? I feel like it's one of those things that we think that we know what it is until we try and like really try and figure it out. So talk to me about mm-hmm. how would you define shame? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I think what I've learned through the years is shame is a feeling that we are just inherently flawed, that something is wrong with us. You know, it's different than being embarrassed or different than feeling bad because you messed something up or feeling guilty because you made a mistake. It is this, for me, this deep feeling that something is just wrong with me and I should be embarrassed about it. And I should hide because of it. Yeah. I'm curious about that uh, hiding. Cause I, I definitely, I, I, I definitely think that shame makes us want to like duck and cover. Mm, um, yeah. what I know that you've written on shame in a kind of like an indirect way through breaking busy. I'm curious about like what you got, what got you interested in shame. Um, as a counselor, I'm always kind of like, how did that, how did that spark an interest or what initially got them interested in that area? So do you have a story of like, where shame became something you were interested in or passionate about helping other women through this experience? Well, when I was a teenager, I had an eating disorder and my mom was smart enough to send me to a counselor, uh, Dr. Whitworth, uh, Pamela Whitworth, shout out Knoxville, Tennessee, if anybody needs a great (laughs) one. Um, When, after I wrote, I think my second book, she hadn't seen me in 20 years more. And I sent her a little package of my books and to say so much of what you taught me has ended up in these books. And Mm. you might've saved my life back in the day. And she, she really worked with me through shame. I think shame was one of the triggers for me to end up having an eating disorder. So back in the day, she made me read healing the shame that binds you. Remember Mm -hmm. that book? Yep. And really a phenomenal book. And so much of the work I did as a teenager has ended up coming, coming through, you know, leaking through the work that I do now as an adult, all the lessons that I learned and the, the really hard kind of emotional healing work that I had to do at 14 through 19, Mm. um, still comes out in the pages of my work or, you know, when I'm kind of understanding a client's business, you know, so as you know, so much of what we do in business is a direct result of how we're feeling. It's not all business strategy. It's, it's making sure that we're not in our own way in the big things and the little things. I mean, I do it myself. There's some, I catch myself often when I feel like God is leading me to take my business in a certain direction, holding back. And the reason that I hold back is because I tend to have that, that core feeling of shame that I don't know enough or I'm, I'm not good enough because as a girl, I grew up in poverty and always feeling like I didn't have enough. I wasn't smart. I had a learning disability. I wasn't smart enough. And even though I've worked through my teenage life, my adult life to heal from those things and get better, I I kind of consider it like whack-a-mole. You know, one's (laughs) always popping up and I got to whack it back down and be aware of it. So that kind of comes out in my work through the years. I love that analogy. And I've used that in counseling, of course, because it, it does feel like you get one thing kind of under control and it pops back up. And it's funny because I don't think people really realize just how much shame influences their everyday life because it can be so beneath the surface. And so I love that, that idea, that definition, that shame is a feeling that we are inherently wrong. I'm curious about, um, where I'm kind of skipping around the order of the questions. I'm, I'm curious out as a Christian woman, how I feel like, and, and as a Christian man too, but I, I definitely feel like this is more of a female, um, propensity mm-hmm. as a Christian believer. 
why do we get so trapped up into thinking that we're wrong and that we should almost feel that we're wrong, that that helps us to be a better Christian? Oh gosh, you should, you need to just answer that question. I'll, I'll butcher it a little <laughs> while, but I, I mean, well, let's I answer feel, it together. This How is for you. That? Okay. Okay. Um, there, uh, here's what pops in my head first. Number one, you have a lot of denominations that focus on sin and sin alone, that we, we are inherently sinful. We can do no good apart from Christ. All that's true, but we don't need to focus on that every day. You know, we, we need to realize when we sin, we need to go to God. We need to repent. We need to ask for forgiveness and then we need to move on. But if we're living our lives focused on our own sin and our own uh, mistakes, what we become is self-focused. And if we're self-focused, we become Mm self-absorbed. So essentially we're becoming self-absorbed, beating ourselves up instead of saying, saying, instead of going, okay, God, what do you have for me today? How do I help the people around me? How do I make the world a better place? How do I serve people? We're just focused on how terrible we are. So that there's that kind of denominational bent that some denominations have. But then also, sometimes we confuse beating ourselves up, feeling ashamed of ourselves, holding ourselves back, and playing small with humility. Mm. And there is nothing about humility that, that should be used as a cover for not living the life that God gives us to live. If God has created you, you're a brilliant counselor. He has created you to help people. People come to you with complex issues and you're able to work with them and, and help them get where they need to be. He's created me to help people in their business, to be able to move forward. And if we let our own pain, our own shame, our own feelings of not being good enough, hold us back and we call it humility, Mm. there's nothing holy about that. That's just us being disobedient and self-absorbed about ourselves. Oh, I feel like you're getting ready to preach. <laughs> I, I got a little close. I had to reel it back in. <laughs> I, I just want to, for the listener who's maybe like washing dishes or driving, I want to say that statement again, because I feel like that's so profound is that we confuse beating ourselves up with humility and over and over and over again, if you read through the scriptures, the, the resounding theme is love. And if you put shame under the microscope, you will find nothing loving about it because it does just tear us down. It makes us want to hide. And so it is absolutely like there's therefore no condemnation, no shame in Christ Jesus. So I think that's so profound. And I love the way that you put that. Oh, well, see, I'm nervous. I'm nervous answering with a counselor. I mean, I don't <laughs> so good. Okay. I passed that test. We're good. We're well, good. And, and I asked like the most complex questions ever because it's just the way my brain works. <laughs> Sometimes clients will I respect say that. And like, well, I don't understand. I'm like, I know it's like when train A leaves train B and I give like a whole like explanation. So you did amazing. You have a new book out, which I'm super excited about. It's always exciting when a book baby um, arrives into the world. And I know that you have been really laboring and thinking about women and this idea of standing strong. Talk to me about a little bit about the, the idea of the book and how it doesn't directly relate to shame, but kind of connected to the shame message about how we're likely to be self-focused and not standing with other women that we're likely to beat ourselves up because I know those themes are wrapped up in the book. Yeah. I'll try to get to everything. This is a book that I never had any intention or plan to write with each book. I will always ask God, Hey, give me a clue. What what Mm -hmm. am I writing about? Whether it's busyness or fear. 
And I prayed a couple of years ago and said, Lord, what's the next book about? And he brought to mind this part of a prayer that my mom used to pray over me every night. She would pray that I would be a great woman of God, strong in my faith and fearless as I face the future. That's the prayer that I pray over my boys, that they would be great men of God. And he brought back a little fragment of that and all he said was, or what came to mind was great woman of God. And I thought that is dumb. I, I don't even, that's not even a felt need, you know, that I'm the felt need practical girl. And so I waited, I don't know, three weeks, a month, and then went back to him. Like we had never had this discussion. And I said, Lord, I'm coming to you to find out what do you want me to write about my next book? Please make it clear to me. And in my spirit, clear as day, it wasn't audible. I heard, I already told you. And I thought, darn it, I got to figure out what this means now. So I spent six months praying into it and just figuring out what in the world Lord, the Lord had to say to women. And it was that he had something big for women alive right now. He had partnership for them that the work we do, whether it's your work as a counselor, my work as an author and coach, someone else's work, raising children or teaching or being an accountant or whatever it is, that is, he wants to partner with them to bring his purposes to life in this world, that all of the work of our hands that we do is good and helps other people. Of course, if your work is gambling and you, you know, just help people gamble in Las Vegas all the time, I'm going to go out on a limb and go, maybe that's not that's not what I'm talking about, but most other kinds of work, you know, yeah. that's helping people. And that's important. And we can't think that just work that's in a church or a nonprofit is important. God's in all the details. He, he always planned for our technological advances. He knew we'd have Amazon two day prime. He knew we'd have a vaccine for polio. He knew we'd have magnetic eyelashes, the whole thing. Oh, good. Yes. If he, if he knows every hair in our head, he wants to make sure that we also have everything we need, whether that's the person whose career is to drive a delivery truck, or it's your career helping people every day, that matters. So that he had great work for women to do and the work that he's putting in front of them and that he is putting ideas in women's hearts for something new, whether it's fostering a child or starting a garden or writing a book that he was moving women into something. And that we're in great danger, I think right now, because of adversity, yes, because of self-doubt and because of the very unbiblical message that's so popular right now, especially in women's circles of, of hustle mm -hmm. and that we are the hero of our own story, that our success or failure is, us, is up to us. And if, if we just work hard enough and we demand our own way, we're going to be amazing. And there's some benefit to that message, but most, but the issue is it completely leaves Jesus out of the message because really? where do we get our strength? Where do we get our wisdom? Where do we get our hope? Where do we get our love? Where do we get our ability to deal with the garbage that comes at us every day in 2020? It's Jesus. And the women who kind of believe this message of just self-empowerment without a faith element, when rough times come, when failures come, when disappointments come, they're not automatically going to realize I was believing this false gospel of hustle over here. And I'm just going to go back on the right path. They're going to blame themselves. So they're going to feel worse at the end of it than they did the beginning. And that for me was something that really drove me to write this book, to set the record straight that I think working hard is important. Hustle is important. Making sure that, that we are doing what we're supposed to do in this life and we're investing in ourselves and we're as healthy as we can be, all great things, all God honoring things. 
But if he's not at the center of it, we're just running on a treadmill and never moving forward anywhere at all. I mean, I believe that God wants to, for women and men, he wants to get us across the finish line or whatever he calls us to do, but he is asking us to lace up our shoes and to start walking. And he's going to give us the wisdom and the strength and the ability to get to the finish line every single time. But we can't pretend like we're doing that all in our own strength. Totally. How do you feel shame prevents us from being able to lace up our shoestrings and to even step onto the track? I love that picture. And I can totally see a, a, a man, a woman today, like listening and being like, yeah, I mean, I, I know I want to do these things, but I just don't know how. And I feel like I can't, I feel like I'm not good enough and I've tried and I failed. So what's the point? I think to some degree, I was thinking actually you, you'll come in and do this really well with people to some degree, we have to learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable mm -hmm. because anytime we're trying something new, anytime we are building a skill, stepping out, trying to do something, whatever it is we feel called to do in our hearts, we are going to mess it up. We're going to mess it up 50, a hundred times over. Give me an hour and I will make a mistake. That's just, it's life. In the entrepreneurial world, we like to say that we want to fail often and we want to fail quickly mm -hmm. because if we do little tests on our ideas, failing quickly means we haven't been working at it a long time. We know, oh, that won't work. Let me, let me, you know, change my, let me pivot over here and try this direction. That's just a normal part of getting from point A to point B. So if we can bring some of that in and give ourselves grace to make mistakes, to feel like we have no idea what we're doing, to understand that we're going to screw things up, but it's important for us to keep going. That's the key. It's kind of like, you know, when you're a little kid and you're learning how to ride a bike, a five-year-old isn't going to say, I'm a biker. This is great. No, <laughs> riding a bike is is scary and it's terrible. And you start off with a trike, then you go on to a bike with training wheels, and then you, you know, you lose one of those wheels. And then before you know it, you kind of can go a couple feet and then you go down a big hill, like your dad or your mom pushes you down a hill. You wreck, you crash, you have skin knees, but before you know it, you're a biker. And it's like that with everything in life. And what we need to do is go, okay, this thing that I want to do, I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to try to learn. I'm going to go back to school, whatever it is that God's kind of nudging our hearts to do, whatever's bubbling up inside of us. And we try to ignore it, but the idea keeps bubbling up. If we can give ourselves permission to be really bad at it for a while, then we can do it. But shame will kind of rear its ugly head and say, you're bad. Mm -hmm. You're stupid. You can't do this. You've tried this before. There's no point. Shame will remind you of all of the negative messages that you've ever heard in your life and bring them right up to you and tell you, see, this is why you can't do it. You know, the inner critic is, is a real shamer most of yeah. the time. And I think the most important thing we can do is acknowledge that the inner critic is shaming, acknowledge the shaming messages we've heard in the past and make the conscious decision that even though we hear the messages, even though those thoughts pop up in our mind, we're not going to give our shaming inner critic a seat at the table. We mm -hmm. don't have to listen to it. I love that. And, and that's exactly what I was thinking about too, just being comfortable with being uncomfortable and how that perfectionistic voice comes out. And I like, I love that analogy about riding your bike because I, I I'm with you. I think about riding your bike, but I only think about that in part where you go down the hill and, um, 
I, I, I distinctly remember doing that with my son, my husband pushing him down the grassy hill yeah. and, um, <laughs> and, you know, he became a rider, but not really taking into account the times that he was on a tricycle and the times that he was on the training wheels. And I think sometimes we, we see people on that last kind of step. And we think that it should be that last step and we do it whenever it really just takes a whole lot longer than we ever really imagined it to be. Mm-hmm. And our inner critic has like the stopwatch timing us, making us feel like we have to move faster, move farther, move quicker. And it just really keeps us stuck in the shame cycle. Okay. I'm having a moment of realization here. Oh, yeah. So when I've worked with clients in the past, sometimes they'll have a, you know, a big, enormous dream. Mm -hmm. And I'll say, great. It's probably going to take this amount of time. It's probably going to take a while. And sometimes I've worked with people who go, oh, that won't work for me. Mm. And I'm like, well, that's, that's actually the process. This is how long it takes. And they just, they're, they peace out. They're done. And I'm always like, but you're going to be alive those years or that amount of time. Like, why not be looking forward to something? Cause you're going to be that age in the future, those, those years are going to go by. Why not go for it? And I never could understand before right now, why some people mm. can't handle the long haul. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine it's the, sh- it's the voice of shame inside that would taunt them the whole time. Totally. It's taking too long. Hmm. Thank mm-hmm. you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think about like the phases of like being on a tricycle and being on the trainer wheels and then that just that wobbly that happens when you're on your bike and how long that really takes. But I think shame only hyper focuses on one part of that equation and tells us we should mm-hmm. be faster. And yeah. I feel like too, just like the voice of, I call it the voice of the accuser. Um, you, some people would call it the devil, but um, the voice of the accuser is definitely a shaming voice and tells us that of who we should be. And, um, I I think there's just definitely a timeline with that. And then what do we end up doing? We, we end up just sitting on the sidelines doing nothing. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm so in my head, I'm going through everything. I'm like, next time I have somebody who can't move forward that block, I'm sending them to you. There you go. Be ready. (laughs) I'll just do I'll do a a YouTube video on that. Cause I think most of us deal with this. I just feel like kind of client after client and in my own life, it just is, it's just amazing how much it's seeped in almost like at a, at a DNA level that shame is a part of us. And, and I guess yeah. in a way it kind of is because of the fall. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been around for a while because it works, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, but, but like you yeah. said, God's voice is never shaming. Mm-hmm. And when we, when we hear something and we're going, is this, is this God speaking to me? Is it not? I mean, one, one rule I use is, is it, is it loving? Is it convicting sometimes? Is it just encouraging or gracious? Is it calling us to new faith? That's God. Is it shaming? Is it critical? Is it harsh? Is it trying to use shame to get us, you know, to submit or to get us to quit doing something, all of those things. That's definitely the voice of the enemy because God always speaks to us in a voice that is way more loving than we would even speak to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Always. And he always calls us by name. And I think the shame voice is a, Hey, you voice. Yeah. God always calls us by name. I'm wondering if you would be like brave enough to kind of share with us maybe ways that shame has kept you from living with confidence. You know, you really talk a lot about the imposter syndrome and I'm just wondering if you have a story from your past of how shame 
kept you from stepping forward and maybe what you would say now as an, as an older self to that younger self? Yeah. I mean, a classic example in college, I joined a sorority and as girls do, you know, trying to make friends and made it about three weeks before I quit Mm. and just couldn't deal. I mean, I already got accepted, right? But in my mind, I wasn't as smart enough. I didn't have as much money as the other girls. I didn't have the background the other girls had. And I felt like I was in, but when they got to know me, they would reject. Mm. And I didn't know it at the time, but I was, I was trying to reject them before they could reject me. Mm -hmm. And I just flaked. I just left. I didn't give anybody a good reason. Um, I just disappeared. And it wasn't until my counselor said, you're rejecting them before they can reject you because you're, you're battling this issue where when I was younger, especially when I would feel uncomfortable, I would just pull myself out of situations because I couldn't bear feeling rejected by people. Yeah. And it's something that I've worked through quite a bit. I mean, one of the reasons I found early success on the internet as a mom of a million children, we were moving around (laughs) every couple of years is I could put myself out there but it didn't really feel real because I could close my computer and it would go away. I didn't have to see people. You know, I, this was back in gosh, 2007 when I was first writing online and connecting with people and networking, I could kind of dip my toe in the water, see if it was successful and then keep going. Whereas in person, in my real life, I was super shy and introverted around people. I never could have never could have gone into a business or met people and felt confident, but there was something about the, the kind of anonymity and, and privacy of the internet in the early days that let me grow a little bit of confidence. Yeah. And, and that really has completely shaped me and changed me into who I am now that, that growth. And if I could, if I could tell my gosh, this is, I hope I don't cry. If I could tell my 18 year old self, I would tell her that it is okay to be herself, that it's okay to open herself up to new friendships mm-hmm. because people aren't as scary as I thought that they would be. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I would tell myself. Hmm. I love that. It's okay to be yourself. And, and I think you hit on something really important and that's that shame always has a negative view of the future. Mm-hmm. Whereas a biblical confidence has a hope in the future. Yeah. So good. In Christ, the best is always yes, yet to come, mm-hmm. but the enemy always tells us that the worst is just ahead of us around every corner. Ugh, especially 2020. Am I right? I mean, 2020 kind of feels like it sometimes <laughs> <laughs> this year can, uh, stinks half the time craziness after the other, but yeah. same, even, even through this experience, you know, you and I have talked about how there is still so much hope, so much good, mm-hmm. so much things to do to help others and to bring hope to the kingdom. So I'm, I'm getting all kind of fired up. I love this idea of like beating shame and being like, yeah, you're not going to fool me anymore. And yeah, you're <laughs> no way. So talk to me about you and I are all about the practical, tangible things. It sounds great to listen to a, an amazing sermon, to watch a TED talk, but more than walking away feeling good, I want to know what, what to do. Like, tell me the monkey bar steps, like going from one kind of bar to the next. What are some tangible ways, maybe some things from standing strong 
or even just from your own life that would, for the listener today, that would help them to let go of shame and begin Mm -hmm. practicing this idea of a biblical confidence? Mm, That's a great question. What comes to mind, this is going to seem super simple and maybe a little bit out there um, for some people listening. I love simple and out there. (laughs) Whenever we're making a decision about how we're going to think about ourselves, how we're going to behave, if we're going to try something new, whether it's a new friendship or start a new business, whatever it is, you want to ask yourself, if I do this, whatever this is, is this going to please God or is this going to make the enemy happy? And I think what makes the enemy happy most often is when we do have a nudge in our spirit to do something and we hold ourselves back. Like I said, we call it humility, but really it's just playing small and playing safe. Or, you know, you want to think about, you have, you have this feeling halfway through the day that you need to call somebody and apologize because you were a little rude to them before, but you don't want to because it stinks to do that. You'd rather do it. You'd rather organize your closet than do that. And again, it's that question, if I call that person, is this making God happy or the enemy happy? Mm -hmm. If I don't call, likewise. For me, that tends to help me break out of habits of hesitation and procrastination. Mm -hmm. When I am, I mean, I'll tell you, launching a book, this may be book number four for me, it still feels like walking into a crowded room naked and saying, everyone leave anonymous comments. Go ahead and pick this person apart. It's going to be amazing. Because I write in such a vulnerable way, I I made the decision years ago that if I was ever going to get a chance to be published, I was going to tell the truth. And I was going to tell things that made me feel super uncomfortable to be that real or else I have no business doing it. So the vulnerability and the vulnerability pre-hangover that I already have from launching this book is unreal. And it would be really easy for me to, to say, I'm not going to mention my book again on social media. Um, people have heard enough about it. Mm-hmm. Does that does that honor God or does that make the enemy happy? I, I know that by reading this book, God will work in people's lives. I've already heard from them about it. So if I shut up right now, I'm not pleasing God. So it helps me break out of the ways that I want to hold myself back or the way this, that I want to play small is if I go, okay, by doing this or thinking this or taking this action, who am I going to please? And when we're trying, when we're holding ourselves back from shame, it becomes easy to understand that when we hold ourselves back, when we let shame hold us back, it's not pleasing to God, but it's, it's like letting the enemy chalk up another win on a scoreboard. Totally. And I, I think that's such a, it is very simple. Who am I going to please? Because I think sometimes we don't know, especially when we're stepping out, you know, into something new, whether it be homeschooling. I know there's a lot of homeschool moms for the first time or starting that garden or starting a business. And you do bump into so much imposter syndrome. And I think that is very profound. And I think the best things in life are usually pretty simple. And so who am I, who am I going to please here? And because God is the way God is, he cannot, you can't please both God and the enemy at the same time. Like that can't happen. Right. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Um, and so, so simple. So the next time you're struggling with shame, the next time you're like, should I do this? Should I not do this? And you're stuck in that analysis paralysis that we're all in. 
believe you me, I'm stuck in so much, Allie can attest to this, so much analysis paralysis. <laughs> She's listened to me for like two years, like <laughs> go on and on about my book writing efforts and who am I going to please? So I'm definitely going to take that to heart. And if you're listening today, you know, battling shame, you don't have to do like a million steps to get past it. Just taking that one tiny step of being like, you know what, I'm going to be brave and I'm going to practice this one thing today. You don't have, you don't have to overcome it all at one time. And that's the thing with shame, right? Ali, it's like one day you're feeling pretty good. And then the next days, maybe somebody says something about you or you mess up on something and then, whoa, shame spiral. And oh, yeah, you're back on the couch eating Cheetos. <laughs> Hypothetically. <laughs> <laughs> That's just me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, just because Allie and I are here talking about shame does not mean that we have moved past it. I have definitely not moved. I'm not going to speak for you, but I have not. Oh, moved yeah, past I know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Still a part of our lives. And, and I think, in a way, I think if we let it, it could help us to move past a false humility and into a biblical humility, because if you're experiencing shame, you're probably trying to do everything all on your own. Um, and that's the message that we're getting online. That's even sometimes the message we get in church is that we just need to be better. And if we could be better then God would be pleased with us. But the reality is, is God always loves us. He always has a plan and getting caught up in shame is only going to hold us back. So good. Okay. Now you're preaching. I know, right. I'm getting all into it. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any final words like anything for the listener just as you've kind of shared that you know one more kind of like little tidbit or takeaway I always like to think about it like in a little snack bag that I can kind of like load up for people as you know throughout their week and open it up and you know just kind of let, let something marinate for a little bit longer yeah I my challenge to everyone is to pay attention to your behavior in the next week or so or, you know, maybe even next month or so and look for any ways that you tell God, no, Mm. sometimes we tell God, no, with our voice, but sometimes we tell God, no, with our behavior. If there's something that he's, he's nudging you toward leaning you toward it. Like I mentioned before, that idea that keeps bubbling up inside of you. Sometimes we would never say, no, God, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to disobey, but God's very gentle. He woos us into our future. He woos us with, you know, Hey, maybe give this person a call. Have you ever thought about doing this? That sort of thing. He's very gentle in that way. I think it's important for us to follow those threads and see what happens and not automatically because of self-doubt or because of shame, shut it down and end up telling God no with our behavior or just saying out. We, sometimes we tell ourselves, I'm not good enough. That's not for me. I've made too many mistakes. I've screwed up enough already. I'm not going to put myself out there. Again, that's telling God no. So just look, look for that in your life. See if you find yourself telling God no about some things and pray into learning how to say yes, even when it feels scary, even when the voice of shame bubbles up, but he will be with you to strengthen you and to give you wisdom and to give you everything you need to do what he's called you to do. A million percent. That's so good. And just to be vulnerable, when you said that we say no with our behaviors, Mm-hmm. I know for me, the way I often will say no with my behaviors is through um, silliness, like Netflix, um, <laughs> Facebook. You're stepping on my toes now. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? like, I'm just yep. going to do one more load of laundry 
it's funny with quarantine, Justin's been here with me. And so he sees me whenever I procrastinate and he's like, you need to go to work. I'm like, I will. I just have Mm -hmm. to do one more load of dishes. I just need to do one more blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you need to stop and get into your office. (laughs) That's so funny. Mark will, because Mark and I, we've always been home all day together, but he will look at me sometimes if I'm out like in the house during the day. And he'll say, Hey, what are you doing? And my answer is procrastinating. Mm -hmm. He's like, "Mm -hmm." like he just him mentioning, calling it out and me saying something. Okay. I'll go make that. Go back to work. (laughs) Here I go. Yeah. (laughs) That's how I say no to God. And I know in my life, what's happened is I I've, I've, I've numbed the, I've dulled the voice for so long Mm. that God's never going to like, he's never mean. And so I don't think he stops talking to us, but I think he waits until we're ready to listen. So I'm, I'm only saying that because I know most of us struggle with, you know, our phones and uh, Netflix and such. So, well, can I say something to that, that I think could be interesting in scripture, it says not to squinch the voice of the Holy spirit. And I believe that if we don't listen for long enough, he, he will go quiet Mm -hmm. until we start praying into being able to hear him and, I mean, I've gone through that in periods of my life of dryness to be like, I just, I don't feel like I'm, I'm hearing anything. Mm. And it's because if we keep ignoring the voice of the Holy spirit, or we keep getting those nudges and we just, nope, shut it down. Um, like I mentioned before, God woos us. He doesn't force anything on us and he will just be quiet until we come back to him and we're ready to start talking. So if anybody's listening and has experienced that, talk to God, just like you talk to a friend and say, I want to hear from you. I want to learn to listen to you. I want to learn to you know, follow the ideas that you put in my heart. Forgive me for not listening before. Forgive me for not knowing how to listen before. And some really powerful things can happen there. I'm excited to practice that. I love that. Um, I think we all always need help on how, how to pray more effectively. And I love those little conversation starters. So I will definitely include that in the show notes because I, I feel like most of us need help connecting to God. And it feels very mysterious for a lot of us. So I, I think that's so simple, um, but yet so profound. Where can we find you, Allie? This has been so much fun. I feel like we could talk forever, but <laughs> I am Allie Worthington everywhere, A-L-L-I. And so Allie Worthington shows the podcast, AllieWorthington.com is the website. And on Instagram, where I am most of the time, I'm Allie Worthington. Yeah. You, and you go live every morning at 8 a.m. I do. I do. Sometimes it's serious. Sometimes it's silly. You just never know. So definitely check out her book, Standing Strong. Such a good book. You're such a great writer. And I feel like one of the things I really appreciate about your writing style, your speaking style, just who you are online is that you're fun, you're approachable, but you're also like super grounded and you're kind of like a a closet nerd. Um, Yes. So I think that's just like really cool because uh, most of us, we need that example. So thank you for being that example and that light for so many women out there. Oh, thank you, friend. I'm honored. Well, thank you so much. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I thought that was so much fun. I love Allie so much. If you cannot already tell, I love her infectious heart, how she is a cheerleader and a champion for women. And so I just don't know how you, you don't feel positive after talking with her and more than not just feeling positive. You also feel so connected to God because her message is so rooted in Christianity 
and biblical principles. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Be sure to subscribe on my website. That way you get the show notes and also subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple, Stitcher, Google Play. That way you never miss an episode. While you're at it, help me out by adding some stars to the rating and tell a friend about the show. I have been seeing some new reviews on there. I looked today and I was happy to see a couple new reviews. So thank you so much. And I'm actually working on an incentive to get you guys to review and to tell your friends about the show. So details will soon be delivered. In the meantime, make sure you're following me on Instagram. I have some really cool posts on there, um, trying to get some videos on. So be on the lookout for IGTV because I should have a video um, posting pretty soon. So you have a great week and I will see you back next Friday.